the tabletop. Take away game mechanics on display. Three designers share the stage. Pick a genre and we'll play the tabletop. Take away. All right. Welcome back to the Tabletop Takeaway. Uh, I'm Ananda Gunaratna. I'm Charlie McCarran. And I'm Trevor Muller-Hagel. And today we're going to be talking about Mage Wars. Um, so I was actually a playtester for Mage Wars uh, for a couple of years. That's awesome. Um, so um, I'm, I'm quite familiar with the game. Uh, and I introduced both of you to it. Um, yeah. A couple of weeks ago? Yeah, so you, you got a taste of the gameplay. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, familiar with Mage Wars, it's a game where you're wizards fighting each other. Um, and you're in an arena, which is a, a three by four grid, so 12 different spaces. And you have a spell book of uh, lots of different spells, which you can construct before the game. Um, so, sort of, you know, there's a deck building aspect, like in games like Pokemon or, or Magic. Or deck construction. Yeah. No. Um, and uh, every round, you choose two spells from your entire deck, uh, and those spells are available to you to cast that round by paying mana. And there's lots of different types of spells. You've got creatures that you can summon to fight your enemy for you. You've got enchantments, which you play face down and then flip face up later as a sort of Ooh. a surprise. You've got equipment that you can use to make your mage a really powerful fighter. You know, you've got attack spells that you can zap things with. Um, there's a ton of variety. Um, the game is quite complex. Um, it's got lots of different keywords on cards uh, that you need to look up in the rule book. And um, it, the combat involves rolling a lot of dice. Um, of course, there's no random drawing of cards, so the random element in Mage Wars is the die rolls. Uh, instead. Um, and I, I actually really like the, the dice system. It's got critical hits and normal hits, and armor negates normal hits but not critical hits. So even if uh, the the enemy you're fighting is heavily armored, you can still get a couple of critical hits through. Well, and critical hits are fairly common too, which is pretty yeah. nice that you can have that regularly instead of like D&D &D where it's one number on a D20. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's much more uh, reliable. Yeah, mm -hmm. ma mathematically, as a unit's armor increases infinity, the amount of damage it takes on average from atta uh, an attack goes down to half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And w one thing that strikes me about Mage Wars that I haven't seen in any game is there's not like figures on the board. Everything is cards, yes. pretty much. Yeah. There's yes. some tokens, but... Um, so it needs a big board. It's like yeah. a large board. Two what's, foot by three the, foot, something like that. Yeah. That's pretty big. 24 by 36, somewhere in that range. Yeah. And is it 12 grid spaces yes. total? Yep. Yep. Three by four. And, and within that, you can fit a bunch of cards in one... Uh, 12 by or one one, one space. 12 yeah. zones it, it calls them zones, zones. Yeah. and i think this is actually part of the, the brilliant part of it because the nice thing about having cards um is of course cards they're easy to store um, they're flat yeah. yeah they're flat uh unlike miniatures you don't have to keep looking back and forth between the miniature and the rules for the miniature mm -hmm. the, the card is the object and it has all the rules for the object on it so you can just look at the card but yep. the reason it works so well in Mage Wars, um, in contrast to, I think Summoner Wars also uses cards as minis. Yeah, either that or tiles, I can't quite remember. Yeah, but um, Mage Wars uh, doesn't have uh, 
so so often we we talked about chess last time, and in chess each unit takes up one tile, but Mage Wars has this concept of zones, and you can have basically as many units as you like in one zone, um, and units can move between zones. Ranged attacks shoot like some number of zones away, and melee attacks have to be against things in the same zone. And it, it, it creates this great middle ground between a game like, say, Magic, where there's no concept of space at all, right, really. very abstract. And a game like Chess, where space is very... Um, Literal. Yeah, it's, it's broken up into lots of little pieces, and each thing occupies one space. And this middle ground is great because you still have some tactical movement. Like, um, you know, things are far apart, so you need to get closer. You can build walls to keep enemies away from you. Um, yep. you can, you know, you can push things around, uh, and, and yet, um, because you don't have individual spaces, there, there's enough space that moving cards around isn't that hard. You can put a bunch of cards in one place and it's not too hard to move them from zone to zone. And, um, because the cards aren't like right up against each other, mm -hmm. unlike Summoner Wars where they are. And I feel that one's a bit more awkward. But also the the sort of middle ground abstraction of space into zones, um, it's it's just it's very nice. Um, you know, it's it's exactly the right level. Like you you have each zone matters, um, mm -hmm. whereas the difference between being in one one small space and an adjacent space might not matter that much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, think, and, yeah, and I think like one thing that I realized. If you're playing someone in Magic, you have to pay attention to all their cards at yeah. once. Versus this game, you you can pay attention to everything, but really the ones that are right next to you are the ones you really have to look at. Oh, yeah. So there's like a scale of how much things matter to you. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I think my favorite part of Mage Wars is honestly the zone system. I think that's a really clever way of, of um, defining space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd be curious to talk about having all your cards available to you at once. Because yes. I think yeah. that is uh, really too. thought it was going to be intimidating. Um, and it was a little, of course. There's a lot going on in the cards. But that's, I think, my takeaway from the game is giving players access to an entire deck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How, how big is a deck, Ananda? Do you remember? Uh, Typically. I, I, I don't know exactly. A deck is 120 points. I, I would say the average card probably costs you about two points to include, say. So like, so like so, 50 to 60 yeah, is somewhere, pretty Somewhere around 60 cards, range, yeah. I would say. But, but we should say also the reason I think it works so well is, yes, you have access to all your cards, but you both have to simultaneously choose two Right. right. And then you reveal those and, and whether or not you use them is up to you. But right. yeah, you can't uh, respond like with the perfect card to your right. opponent every time. Yeah. Like, you, you, oh, I have counterspell in my deck so I can cast that and the yeah. counter is what you just did. Even yeah. though I didn't prepare it. No. You, you <laughs> have access to all your cards, but you don't have access to all of your cards all of the time. Right. Mm -hmm. um, right. Which is probably the key to making that not too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I, I know, and that, I mean, that's that's the big thing people notice when they learn about Mage Wars is, oh, you mean any card in my deck is available? Right. Um, and it, it, it is, I mean, it is good aspects and bad aspects. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it gives the player a lot of freedom. Uh, and when you're constructing the deck, you don't have to worry about, oh, how likely am I to draw this? At the same time, there is a penalty for the approachability because right. 
new players. Um, it's a lot I, of keywords to master. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that is something that keeps people from approaching the game. Oh, absolutely. Which, which brings me to one question, which is how do you balance uh, card access or players' ability to access cards in their deck um, versus approachability? Because Mage, Mage Wars obviously is one extreme, um, and then you've got Magic at the other extreme, right, where you just draw random cards. Right. And, like, just where's that balance? Um uh, you know, I was actually, that was uh, what I was trying to make with Archmagus a little bit uh, back in the day, um, where it's a, it's a deck building game where you build your deck as you play, but having that kind of sense of randomization tied in with a reliable thing that you can do or reliable things you can do, I think is really important because it's weird that, you know, I only have access to two spells. It, it's a little bit like D&D's uh, wizards memorize their spells and clerics memorize their spells for a day. It's yeah. like, well, why is that? Sorcerers have access to all their spells at all times. And so it's it's an interesting choice uh, to have that in a game where you have access to everything, or but you only get to choose some at a time. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm not entirely sold on it, but what I did like about it is that both Charlie and I were playing it together, and we both had the same downtime at the same time, right? Right. We're not waiting for each other necessarily to choose what cards they're going to play. We're mm-hmm. both choosing that at the same time, and then it's been chosen. It's oh, that's, done. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's the real downside is when you are waiting for someone to make a right. choice. Right. Yeah, and and that's something you can easily make simultaneous. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One other thing I really liked about Mage Wars is that it felt more like an engine building aspect than yeah. other yep. uh, tactical combat games. Maybe Which where I you're love just that. like, oh, I'm just trying to wipe out your whole army. Mm-hmm. But oh no, I get to play this. Uh, I forget what they're called, but the spawn points. Spawn points, yeah. Yeah. That let me spawn a new Animals. animal every turn. I, I've loved being the beast master, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like my role too. It was sending great. foxes and wolves at you. Yeah. Suddenly, yeah. I get the uh, the superpower alpha wolf. That <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all my wolves are powered. Well, up. And then I got to do my big massive fire burst on all of your guys and just like yeah. decimated all your animals for a second. And it didn't even feel that bad because I Which got to great. keep spawning. Yeah. yeah. So, so just a quick aside to to listeners is the way spawn points work is so normally you can only prepare two cards per turn. But if you have a spawn point, you can prepare a third card for that spawn point to cast. Mm-hmm. So it, it's sort of like the spawn point is sort of like a mini version of your mage. It mm-hmm. also gets to prepare and cast a spell, and it even generates mana. To cast the spells. Right. And yeah. if, it, if, it, if it doesn't have enough mana to cast its spell, it, it takes the remainder from your supply. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I, I feel like there's something very satisfying about that. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Investment. Yeah. yeah. Like, I invested in this point. Yeah. And it's going to help me in the future. Like, yeah. that's a great, a great thing. Not a lot of games like this have that. Other than, you know, Magic does have lands. To improve, like what magic have you have access to, mm-hmm. but it's not the same feeling, right? Like it's not like I created this. Yeah, it's, in it's a, space. It, I mean, it's it feels to me like it's it's a it's a little helper, right? It's, yeah, it's like a, a mini version of you that can also do similar things to yeah. what you can mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Like it, it would be like in Magic if you had a card that had like its own little deck. And it drew a card and, and cast it from that deck. <laughs> every... Which there probably is a magic card that <laughs> has because oh, yeah. there's everything, but yeah. I, another thing I think is really satisfying for some reason, and maybe you guys can help me figure out why it is, is mage bind items, or or not mage bind, um, 
or uh, spellbind items. So, like you, uh, Trevor, I think you you had a wand, right? Yes, I did have a wand, and you bound fire blast yeah, to it, and I then did. you could just use fire blast repeatedly. Yeah, that's very satisfying. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's, it's sort of yeah. like it's like you you've committed to a strategy, and now you get this the power yeah. from that committing yeah. to that strategy. And it also gives you a little bit of customization, too. Yes. Creativity, yep. which mm-hmm. is something we've talked about previously. Because you have this wand. You can bind any spell you like to it. So it's like um, by binding a spell, you're sort of making it yours, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, okay, I'm making this creative decision. This is my wand. It does this. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I think one point we have not discussed about the game is that once a spell is cast, it is out of the game. Right, yes. Mm. So if a, a creature is killed, it is gone. If yeah. your spell finishes, it's done. Right. Like, you do not get it back in your deck. So your deck does dwindle down mm-hmm. as you play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you bind it to an item. Unless you bind it to an <laughs> item, yes. And then you can use it yeah. repeatedly. Yeah, which is great. Well, the um, thinking about, like, why that spellbind isn't fun, too, we talked about Emergent complexity in the last episode on chess. Uh, emergent complexity being like a s- small amount of rules that yields like lots of interesting strategic possibilities. And, yeah. and that is one of them where it's like, oh, a simple effect. Attach a thing Attach to Attach a thing. I can do that. But you can combine it with any right. spell. And so the other thing like that's emergent complexity about this game is that everything, aside from some of your own items that are on your sorcerer, um, are on the board. So spawn points, like if you want to have a mana crystal that's like giving you more mana, that's also on the board. And, can and people destroyed. can attack it yeah, ah, and destroy it. Charlie that, tried, but he couldn't do it. <laughs> he tried. But I just love that idea that everything can interact with everything else. Yeah, and yeah like, absolutely. The more different interactions of different components. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean in that example, that's that's another place where the the spatial aspect really comes into it because yeah, you've got your mana crystal, but you can like put it way over there, right? Or yeah, you can put it behind some walls, um, and just use space to protect it because you're in a different place, so your opponents decide which one do they go after. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, such a flexible system. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Yeah. It and I I also feel like it does a really good job of simulating the feel of magical combat. I mean, it takes a lot of rules to get there, but it does thematically feel quite uh, authentic, I yeah, think. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, it's like, well, yeah. chess does not feel like a theme so much. As, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe uh, like trying to capture the king. Um, but then if you took like chess, uh, expanded it out with lots of unique powers that you can, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right. Yeah. They what if you could move two pieces on your turn? Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I think my, my main takeaway from Mage Wars is and probably always will be the zones. Um, yeah. And just that great middle ground between no space and very highly defined space. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it doesn't always have to be one or the other. You can do something in between. I'm honestly going to try and use this in, in a couple of my games just to see if it fits because, like, I've been struggling with a lot of my either tactic or similar, like, RPG games where I'm like, well, is it just a narrative experience? Yeah. Is it just a literal, you have a piece on the board and you move it? But, like, these zones really, like, kind of opened my mind to, like, oh, man, that's really cool and interesting. And yeah. Like, you just, like, yeah. 
Yeah, so space cool. space only needs to be as precisely defined in your game as is necessary to be interesting. It doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go all the way down to individual mm-hmm. spaces. So there is a video game that's fairly new-ish. It's like a year old, I think. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, uh, which actually does a, an interesting spatial mechanic where you can almost access the entire space you're fighting in at any time with your characters. But they do have to move to get there, and if they like go by an enemy, they'll get attacked, things like that. There's environmental mm. hazards and things that they can throw and move. Um, but yeah, it, it really it doesn't abstractify the space. It makes it very literal, but also you have access to all of it fairly easily. Like it takes maybe two turns to get to the other side of the board. There are just consequences for doing so. Exactly. Hmm. Which like is, it's really interesting to have that limitation because I think a lot of people were upset about that because it wasn't the literal movement of like a chess version or, you know, Gloomhaven where it is that, you know, you move a space, this character is fast because they move three spaces, you know, mm-hmm. like it's more abstract, which I think actually fit it really well because it's a cinematic experience then. That's cool. More. Yeah. I always tried to, I mean, my, when my students were designing games, I was always trying to get them to think, does the movement have to matter? Like yeah. right. a lot of them especially would do roll and moves, which is yes. even <laughs> worse. Uh, but yeah, like different amounts of movement for different characters. Like maybe there's a different way you could do that in your game. Mm-hmm. Like, And also does it have to be on a grid? Can there be the, something else? <laughs> there, there's a lot to be said for everything moving the same amount, um, which is, Mostly the case in Mage Wars. Um, The units don't have different numbers of zones. Just everything can move one zone and then take an action. But some can move multiple zones. Right. And then attack. Yes. And actually, and there are also some, like, (laughs) uh, zombies, for example, that if they move a zone, they can't take an action. Because they're slow. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it really feels that, uh, what did you say, Watsonian? uh, Doyalist versus Watsonian. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it makes sense because the zombies are slow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that you brought it up, you have to explain this theory. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I, think, I brought okay, it this, up. I brought I, it well, up. Well, I, I think it's fun. Yeah, this is mostly when you're talking about, um, like, writing narratives. Mm-hmm. But it also applies to games, just um, Watsonian versus Doyleist explanations. It's like in, in Sherlock Holmes, right? Um, you've got Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the author, and then you've got Watson, who's the narrator. So a Watsonian explanation is like the in-universe explanation for why something is the case. Um, and then the Doyleist explanation is the explanation from outside the universe from the perspective of the author why it's the case. Um, so, I mean, I guess slow zombies, I, I, don't, I don't know whether there's, uh, I don't know whether zombies are OP if they're fast in Mage Wars. I mean, there's actually a spell that makes them fast and gives them blood <laughs> Of course. Of yeah. course. Um, actually, it's, it's, I think it's like zombie frenzy. It's pretty fun. But um, I, I mean, but sometimes, uh, sometimes you know, there's there's the explanation in universe and the explanation out of universe, like right. the actual reason why it was mm-hmm. made. That the designer way. reason, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe chess would be castling could be an example. Maybe it's like, oh yeah, you're making a castle with your piece where the king moves and and goes the pawns, and hides in the castle and the uh, rook switches with the king. Yeah, but realistically, it's like, oh no, it's just annoying to get rooks out. So <laughs> we needed a thing right. that let you get your rook out of the yeah. yeah end of the board and protect your yeah. king a little more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the thematic explanation versus the actual design reasons behind right. mm-hmm. things. Uh, cool. Yeah. 
Uh, so I did have a quick question yeah. about this. So uh, Mage Wars does do a good job of you making your choices simultaneously at the beginning. Is there a way that you can make a game like this where almost the entire experience is more simultaneous? Uh, it, it's hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've worked a lot with uh, simultaneous gameplay sure. because I try to make my games short. Yeah. And simultaneous choices are a great way to do that. But the more simultaneous things are, the less interaction there is. Right, exactly. Um, and in in a tactical combat game, mm-hmm. um, people are going to expect a lot of interaction. Oh, yeah. And I, I think, yeah, Mage Wars does a great job because some of the parts that might be the most AP-prone are simultaneous. Oh. Um, I, I, I thought that was a great point I don't, uh, that, that was made earlier about how, um, you know, yeah, you, you, do the, you do the heavy lifting uh, to pick the cards from all of the cards in your deck. Right. But then during the part where you're interacting with each other, you only have those two cards to choose from. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Awesome. I, I've been thinking about simultaneous play a lot too, because I think there's a trend towards more of that. Yeah. Or I've been at least like, it. yeah, I like uh, the game Earth, for example, where one person picks what the action is and then everyone else does that at the same time. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, we've talked about this with your Gears game a little yeah, too. Yeah, Sprocket Forge. Yes. Ooh, um, is that the new name? That's the new name. Oh. Yes. So, yeah, coming soon. Yes. Sprocket 2024. Forge. Yeah. Um, and the there is, like, definitely benefits to that in a game that's puzzly and you have your own space that you're working with. Um, but at the same time, there's something kind of sp- more special about like i'm taking my turn everyone gets to watch me do my thing yeah that and learn from it or or like uh, gather information from it yeah gather information or just like wow that was a good move yeah or even take a moment to not have to think because like it you you get (laughs) fatigued i yeah i mean that, that that's a great point and i think that is one of the major weaknesses of simultaneous play which is you don't yeah you don't get to show off your cleverness to Mm. everyone oh Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah which is actually you know what I, I already had a takeaway, but I, I, think, <laughs> I think this, or I, I think this might be even a better takeaway for me is just for simultaneous choices. Yeah, the 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 way that Mage Wars does it, um, you know, do all the heavy lifting simultaneously and then let people show off. Yeah, they've I done. like it. And the the other advantage of simultaneous play is like the big reveal. Yeah, so right. like in a programming game for example like uh, river dragons i love that game uh where you're revealing like oh this is what my move is on turn one this is what my move is on turn two three and everyone's chosen it you can't really change so much about it but it's in a lighter game it works well like that too Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah Hmm. awesome uh, I didn't actually say my takeaway. I don't think officially. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, but honestly, I, I've played a lot of RPGs from you know Dungeons and Dragons to Descent to you know Gloomhaven, and tracking conditions and things like that is the most annoying thing to do. And Mage Wars does it so well because it's a card, and you can put a token on the card, and then it stays on the card as it moves. Yeah, like it's so simple. Yet, like man, that that solved it. Mm-hmm. And then they get, you know, an upgrade or, you know, some kind of enchantment that's on the card now. It's what that card travels with it. Mm-hmm. And it's just there. It's like, oh, yeah, they have that. I don't have to remember it. It's not like off to the side somewhere. That, that's nice. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to use that. 
<laughs> cool. Well, with that, I think that's uh, our episode. Yeah. And um, next time. Oh, that's me. Uh, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. Sweet. We'll talk to you then. Done. 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 Hey, thanks for listening to The Tabletop Takeaway. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So please tell your friends and visit our website at thetabletoptakeaway.com where you can suggest games and mechanics for us to cover next on the show. Mm-hmm.